Kilda, g'day and welcome to the history of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Episode 72, my burb question mark of the year 2021, with Ben Paris, the NZ Batman. This podcast is supported by our amazing patrons. If you want to support Hans, go to patreon.com slash history Aotearoa. That's right, it is that time of year again. Aotearoa's most important election is on. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the Bird of the Year is a yearly election held by the Royal Forest and Bird Protection Society of New Zealand, an environmental charitable organisation that does a lot of work to protect our native species and spread awareness of them. It's mostly just a bit of fun to get people talking about all the different threatened species we have here in New Zealand and how we can protect them. Except it has campaign managers, memes, alliances, shade, and everything else you'd expect from the most contentious political election in the country. This year though, something very controversial has been added into the running. On the 11th of October 2021, New Zealand's biggest bat advocate, Ben Paris, went on to Breakfast, an early morning TV show, and announced that the endemic Pekapeka Tauroa, long-tailed bat, would be entering the running for Bird of the Year. As you might expect, this has caused quite a stir in the conservation world, with the announcement garnering international headlines. So, unlike previous years where I go and research a bird for our annual special episode, I decided to go straight to the horse's mouth and chat with the New Zealand Batman all about our endemic bats. So thank you, Ben, for um, coming on and um, chatting to me about about bats. Um, this is the first time I think I've had a conservation-type person uh, on the podcast. Normally it's just me uh, talk, kind of talking out my ass um, for about an hour, um, which is quite funny. So thank you very much for actually having, coming on as an expert. No problem. So can you tell us a bit about um, kind of what your background is and um, how you got into into bats? Right. So I'm a senior conservation advisor at Auckland Council during the day and uh, sort of NZ Batman by night. Um, I started my bat journey uh, when I was down in Hamilton, Um I was working with a project to return Tui back into the city um, because Tui had disappeared for many years. And we did some intensive pest control around the outskirts of the city, and suddenly Tui started flocking in by the hundreds, which was pretty amazing. So we started looking at um, what else we could do, and um, there was a master's student doing uh, research on the movements of uh, Pekatoro long-tail bats down the Waikato River. Um, so we thought, oh, this is pretty cool, um, and we started running these uh, bat night walks down the. Um, from the Waikato Museum, and um, they sold out so fast. It was incredible. And just the joy and and awe of seeing and hearing bats um, was just really inspiring for me. And I thought, this is, this is really cool. Um, this is what I want to try and advocate for bats more because heaps of New Zealanders don't even know we have bats. So, yeah, mm. that's, um, that's sort of how I got started. And then I moved up to Auckland and found out that Again, bats weren't really on the radar there. So, um, yeah, I've been working with um, a whole lot of bat scientists trying to um, map out where bats are. are and um, it's a bit of a 
needle in a haystack sort of type thing. But we we were we found bats um, all over Auckland from um, down in Pukekohe all the way up to Lee. So it's um, pretty exciting that we can find these bats, and sometimes they're right in the urban areas, which we didn't even know about, which is pretty cool too. That's really cool, yeah. Because it's um, it, it it may I guess come as a surprise to many people, perhaps within New Zealand and international listeners, is that we have bats. Considering I think a lot of people think we are the bird capital of the world, kind of thing. That's right. Um, uh, two species of bats, potentially three, but we're pretty sure is extinct. Yep. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of like a a, a weird thing because of course they are our only native mammals. Yes. Um, so do we do we know how they became our only native mammals, whether we had any others or anything like that. There has been some recent finds of, uh, uh, some fossil finds uh, of a burrowing bat um, that um, may have lived in New Zealand uh, a long, long time ago. Um, but we think that uh, Mr. Cena, the short-tailed bat of Pika Pika to Poto, that, um, that came with New Zealand when it fell off Gondwana land um, many, many millions of years ago. Um, so that that's how it evolved its weird uh, walking um, type uh, habits um, and so this burrowing bat may have been related to that um, somehow um, while the long tail bat um, hasn't been here as long only a million years um, only <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah we think it might have might have been blown over from Australia because uh, the, the same genus is found there. Um, but it's definitely a, the native species is is definitely endemic to New Zealand. Both of them, yeah. Cool, awesome. So obviously the the kind of the prompt to uh, ask you to come on and chat to me was uh, Bird of the Year, yes. which is now Flappy Thing of the Year, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so what um, what was the thinking of putting Bat in Bird of the Year? Because it is. Um, a rather controversial pick. I've been following it on Twitter quite closely, um, and the nation seems quite thoroughly divided on it. I have really <laughs> upset some birders, I can tell you. I think that my ornithological society m- membership may be revoked completely. Um, yeah, I, I might hazard a guess that you are perhaps um, the number one wanted or hated man in conservation in New Zealand right now. Yeah, I haven't had death threats <laughs> yet, but I've, I've had some That's good. shade. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so what was the um, what was the thinking of putting bats into Bird of the Year? Um, well, I've been trying to get bats in there for a long time, but um, uh, been trying to work on forest and bird, and finally we, mm-hmm. we managed to get there and. Um, Forest and Bird agreed that it would be a really good way of um, raising the awareness for our Pika Pika, and um, it really shows that the sort of platform um, can really do some wonders um, for for the platform of um, our endangered species. And I'm not saying that birds aren't important, and you know there, there are many threatened bird species on the Bird of the Year list that never get a chance to shine, um, but bats will never have their own competition because a bat of the year in new zealand would just be really really boring yeah that's fair yeah no it's um no it is really i mean i i was i was stirring the pot a lot on twitter uh <laughs> i'm not gonna lie um but it is i personally think it's also really cool to to have them in there again not a lot of people really know we have bats not a lot of people know what threatens them and and that sort of thing how they're doing so i think it's really cool to um yeah give them that platform as you say yeah um and 
and yeah, and because a bad of the year would be really boring. <laughs> just be two. Um, to to kind of dig into that a little bit deeper, um, why specifically the long tailed bat? Because the short tailed bat, the other the, or the lesser short tailed bat, I believe it's called, mm. uh, is not in bird of the year. So why pick that one over the other one, and why not have them both? Oh, I'd love to have them both, but I wasn't really uh, given that option. Uh, you can choose one bat. Compromises had to be made. <laughs> and so a uh, long-tail bat was um, probably, I thought, would be more identifiable with people since it um, lives on the outskirts of um, Tamaki Makoro and Kirikiriro and Rotorua uh, to try and make sure that, you know, that people could actually see these bats because I don't think many people were ever going to see a short-tail bat but people may see a long tail bat and that's pretty exciting just to mm. get people um, amped up about, Oh yeah, maybe I can look for, for bats. And I've you know, already received so much feedback of people going, Oh yeah, I, I've got the stream and I've got lots of insects and I'll do some pest control. And I'm like, great, you know, you could have bats and that's really exciting to try and encourage that. Awesome. So how do, um, I guess to kind of flow on from that, how do people find out that they have bats because as i understand it having talked to a couple of community groups myself who have found bats there are these neat little devices or whatever that you can use that thing yeah that yeah. people can't see this no, because it's an audio only okay, format but, but i can see yeah, it it's a, the bat detector <laughs> it's uh like a it's a small handheld device um it's got like a bit of a radio tuner um you tune in the right frequency to 40 kilohertz which is around for the long tail bat and um you tune it in and a whole lot of clicks and buzzes uh, sounds um, that the bats make get uh, turned from the echolocation calls that we can't hear into uh, something that we can hear through the bat detector, which is really cool and it's a really engaging tool um, for people to use. Um, we get our bat detectors from the UK because there's so many bat species over there, but um, it's an incredible to, um, engagement tool to try and get people um, looking for bats in their backyard. And I think that you know we could have a whole... Uh, citizen science army out there uh, looking for for bats and that would be really helpful for research purposes as well cool awesome that'd be really exciting to have a bat detector in your in your garden Mm. so you know whether you've got any hanging around or anything like that so you you mentioned echolocation and this was something that i learned last night is uh bats don't a lot of bats don't have echolocation that was a surprise to me uh because i just go bats of course they've got echolocation uh-huh. you know but apparently a lot don't so is there any is there any call that um that our bats have that we can hear or is it all inaudible to us more or less there are some social calls that the long tail bat um and short tail bats can make um and their roost that is sort of lower down that spectrum um and um can we can hear that but that's pretty rare um so that yeah we we definitely try and use the bat detectors when possible um but mm-hmm. like you said um many people think that echolocation is all bats but um people who have gone over to australia or the islands and seen the fruit bats um you know they they use um their big big eyes to mm. um look for for their food so yeah it's a slightly different um habitat and bat really yeah this is Thomas in the post-production. Ben quite kindly sent me some bat calls that he had on file that were recorded through one of the bat recording devices he just mentioned. So although these aren't quote-unquote true bat calls, since we can't hear those, these have been turned into something that we can hear. So here are some foraging clicks and feeding buzzers from the New Zealand Picker Picker.
So on to, I guess, a bit more of uh, what they look like. What do they look like? How big are they? Are we talking like big bats, tiny bats? <laughs> so, so our bats are micro bats. So the long tail bat mm-hmm. is about the size of your thumb, about the uh, wingspan of your hand, uh, weighs about a couple of $2 coins. Um, it's it's really, really small. So um, people ask, what you know, what do I look for? Well, something that flies erratically like a, a swallow or a fantail catching insects, but right on dusk, obviously. So yeah. Yeah, it, it's really, they are really hard to see and really hard to find, and that's why the bat detectors are really useful. So, obviously, they're endangered, basically like every other animal in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so, how endangered are we talking in terms of, like, um, critically endangered or and that sort of thing? So, the short-tailed bat um, has responded really well to a lot of the big 1080 operations and things like that um, down south. Um, so, they're, they're doing... A bit better, but the um, long-tailed bat is is critically endangered. The same in, um, in threatened status as the kakapo, mm-hmm. and so it's it's we're finding them because we're finding them on the edges of cities. We just don't know what the population might be doing. Um, so we we feel like they're going to be in in big trouble because of the the same old um, mammalian pests like your your rats, your stoats, your your cats, your possums. But also mm. things like uh, climate change may affect bats and carry dieback. So there's new emerging threats that um, may really mean that these bats are in trouble. Okay. So, so is there a lot of is there currently like a lot of research going into what? Um... <laughs> I take it from that face. The answer is no. <laughs> yeah, the trouble is, is that um, yeah, New Zealand's got a lot of threatened species, and mm. um, there's not a lot of funding to go around, and. Mm the sexy species get the funding uh, yeah so um the the big um things like kiwi um get and kakapo get a lot of funding not much funding but a bigger slice of that pie so but bats hardly register on the um on scale really so um any yeah any research is, has to be sort of cobbled together with lots of little bits of funding um to really not make make up much so we're really hoping that sort of the bird of the year contest can sort of um launch the bats into something bigger that maybe a big corporate sponsor might want to mm. get behind or something like that and that would be brilliant um because we really don't know much about these these bats i mean we don't know much about their, their breeding we don't know much about their habitat um we don't even know yeah how they're doing really so um we'd mm. like to know more Okay, this might be a very short interview if that's the case, because that's basically a lot of my next questions. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm happy to answer what, what we know so far. Yeah, because I think it would be it would cause quite an upheaval. I think if they uh, first year in, it's a non-bird. You know, if they if they won, it's a first year they're in, it's non-bird, and they win. I think that's going to cause quite a oh, yeah. quite a stir yes. more than it already has. Yes. <laughs> so that would be um that'd be exciting. Mm. Um. So yeah, so you, you mentioned a little bit before about how they kind of uh, kind of walk and that sort of thing, um, which, as I understand, is related to their feeding strategy, or the short-tailed bat specifically yes. is, is related to their feeding strategy. Do you want to talk a bit about why what that is and why it's weird? So when uh, New Zealand fell off the edge of Gondwana land um, those many, many millions of years ago, um, there was no other mammals other than these bats, so these bats um, sort of took on the niche of a mouse or a rat or something and so they scurry along the forest floor um, eating up little insects and berries and 
nectar and things like that, they can fly. And uh, the short-tailed bat is actually one of the um, biggest pollinators of our native plants, um, such as Budokawa and and many of the um, cabbage trees and things like that. But uh, the trouble is, is that um, when we introduced our other um, predators, um, such as cats, rats, and stoats, uh, that those these um, bats just didn't have that that instinct to um, all they had the instinct was to freeze, and it's not really useful for a um, uh, another predator like that. So um, mm. the reason why they get so nailed is that um, during the day, of course, they um, they go into sort of like hibernation, sort of torpor state. So a rat can actually come in, or a cat can just clean out a whole roost of bats without them even waking up. Uh, so it's it's really tragic that mm-hmm. these sort of things happen. And we've, you may have seen um, images um, of one particular cat down in um, the central North Island, which um, caught around 80 short-tailed bats um, before it was caught. Uh, so it's just mm. it's really horrible that um, that you know a single predator can do so much damage. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Is um, cats are yeah, as, as you say, one probably one of the mm. one of the worst uh, <laughs> worst ones. Um, so what kind of so when, when these cats and that sort of thing are trying to get them in in um, during the day when they're in this hibernation state, where, where are they hanging out? Are they in trees? Yeah, or, so or um, they they roost in, in trees in the hollows um, and amongst um, under loose bark. Um, so um, yeah, the. The short-tailed bat seems to um, congregate in really large numbers, um, and well, the long-tailed bat seems to be in smaller family groups. Um, so yeah, during the day they're just um, in that that roost, um, which um, for long-tailed bats changes every couple of days, which is really hard for us as researchers to find these bats because you go, ah, oh, found a roost tree, and then the next day they're gone. Um, and we think that's mainly because mm. of um, the build-up of parasites and things. So they'll just move on to the next tree. Um, and we're, we're still trying to do a lot of research of why particular trees they choose. Um, we think it's something to do with the sort of thermal dynamics, the insulation properties of some trees, of the way um, the sun shines oh, yeah. on the tree and heats it up in the afternoon. So they sort of get warmed up um, before their evening flight. Um and we've been trying to sort mm-hmm. of replicate that in making artificial roost boxes as well to try and see if we can encourage them into these um, um, boxes because of the massive habitat loss they've suffered as well. Okay, and how's how's that gone? Are you finding quite good success? So we um, put them up in when I was working down in Hamilton about 10 years ago mm-hmm. now, and um, it took six or seven years before we finally found bats were using them so they are using them and mm-hmm. you know there's they can fit up to 50 bats in one of those little roost boxes um but that um yeah it's take, it takes a while so it's not an instant fix yeah um because um we also don't want that we don't want developers to go oh yeah we've cut down those these trees and we'll put on some bat roost boxes and the bats will come and yeah, that's that's not exactly true either. Yeah, yeah, no, nothing, uh, nothing worth doing was easy. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Um, oh yeah, so um, do the, so do we know in like do they tend to favour certain species of trees or, or and I guess in terms of like native versus, versus exotic trees, do we kind of know a bit about that or? Yeah, so um, the long-tailed bat um, is, is has really adapted to the more um, 
the, the exotic trees as well. So, I mean, the native trees it prefers are like the pururi, the kauri, um, those those ones um, that are really big and gnarly. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it also um, has adapted to um, some of the exotic trees like um, the eucalyptus, the um, willows, macrocarpa, um, pine trees, especially the pine plantation forests. Mm-hmm. Um, bats have been found in there. Um, so they're, they've adapted um, pretty well um, to humans coming in and changing their, their habitat. And so, um, yeah, we, we're really encouraging people um, that if they live near a, near a stream, near a big open area, near some bush, that they before they foul that big old ugly pine tree, that they, they check for bats first. Mm, okay. It's, I've always found that quite interesting is this... Um you know uh you know trying to we're trying to get rid of effectively trying to get rid of all these exotic plants and that sort of thing and i you know there's a lot of interesting kind of things coming out sort of semi-recently of like actually maybe we shouldn't be just chopping down trees willy-nilly because there might be things in them that we actually (laughs) want to keep that's right so um so we've talked a little bit about i guess kind of a little bit what they what they eat so what do Mm. what do bats eat kind of specifically in terms of species you mentioned like insects and that sort of thing but what kind of species are we talking so a long-tailed bat in particular, um, it, feeds, it, it feeds completely in the air, so it's an aerial insectivore. Um, it um, feeds on the, the moths and mosquitoes, the midges, the beetles that fly around at night, um, particularly along uh, streams that where a lot of um, insects come off the water during the night. And so um, they'll, they'll use streams as their uh, feeding superhighways mm-hmm. um, and and, and go into follow these streams along um, eating insects that come off um, the water and they particularly like forest edges um, and, and, and getting the bugs and insects that feed off the, that come off the edges of the bush there um, while the short tail bat is more of a deep forest forager um, it'll it'll like I said go into the um, the pollens the nectar the um, insects and fruit and things like that um, but it also is a um, big pollinator of the Dactylanthus woodrose, um, which is um, we've found out that this um, flower that, that that comes up from under the ground um, is actually um, produces mammal hormones to attract the bats mm. to the flower, um, which is really really interesting. Um, but of course, that hasn't helped it so much when the bats have become endangered and also attracts things like possums, which completely mm. munch it all up and don't like go into it delicately like a bat does. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it means that both the short-tailed bat and the Dactylanthus are both endangered and they, they sort of rely on each other um, as a some sort of symbiotic relationship. Oh, interesting. That's, oh, that's really... I say cool, but I mean the the possum bit's not that cool. Um, <laughs> that's oh, that's really interesting. Okay, um, so you've kind of answered this a, a little bit already in terms of like what kind of habitat do they like? I guess you were saying short tail bats like that deep kind of bush area, whereas the long tail bats prefer kind of I guess more open kind of area to be able to fly around and catch bugs and stuff. Yeah, that's that's kind of right. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So where, I guess more broadly, where do we find these bats kind of in New Zealand? Um, what kind of areas? Do they, are they only sort of uh, found in kind of one particular area of the North Island, for example, or, or are they kind of a bit more widespread? So for short-tailed bats, um, they're found um, really only in the, in the big old forest. 
um, and places where we're doing some massive pest control operations. So like pest-free areas like Hauturu, Little Barrier Island, uh, down in Puriora where they're doing some massive pest control, down in Fiordland where they've done some great 1080 landscape control work. Um, while the long-tail bat seems to be more widely distributed across um, both North and South Island. And um, yeah, we've, we've found them, like I said, across Auckland. Um, they're finding them in Northland. They found them down Bay of Plenty, Waikato, um, and they're doing some great work down um, the top of the South Island. The forest and birds doing some great work down there, doing some massive work down um, in Canterbury as well, South Canterbury. So the more people seem to look for them, the more we seem to find them. Um, so it's really exciting that um, over the years I've seen people get really um, enthusiastic about bats and um, we need more local bat representatives of that, of that sort of citizen science type work mm -hmm. um, to find more of these bats because we, we can't survey everywhere um, and bat detecting is a bit hit and miss. You can point the bat detector in one direction and the bat can fly in the other direction and um, you wouldn't yeah. really know. So um, to have more people out there with bat detectors looking for bats would be great. Awesome. So does that mean that um, you say kind of the, the short tail bat, is, its range is, is effectively more restricted than the long tail. Does that mean that they're doing worse than the long tail potentially or just that we haven't found them? Um, they seem to be doing a lot better um, in the areas where we do the pest control. They respond really well that bats only breed and have one bat pup each year. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty slow breeding um, but if those pups and, and mums in particular who are more vulnerable in their roost um, for, to predation um, can survive, um, then then they do really well. So um, the short tail bat is doing really well in responding to pest control, um, but the long tail bat, like I said, on those urban areas um, where cities are expanding as, as our population grows um, and the housing crisis continues, um, are, are going to become more and more endangered as, as their, their habitat is threatened. Mm, okay. So does that, um, in that similar vein, does that mean that short-tailed bats are kind of more vulnerable to, to predators than long-tails? Not necessarily. I mean, short-tailed bats, sure, because of their, their ground-dwelling habitats mm. um, is, is, you know, is going to be more vulnerable to a, um, to a, a mammalian predator coming in. Um, but um, the, the long-tailed bats... Um, with the extra um, threat of the habitat destruction and um, and things like that, that could actually tip them right over the edge. Mm, I see. Um, so you probably won't know the answer to this question given the the lead up to this, mm. but do we have a current estimate on what the population size is? No, no, we don't yet. Um, we'd we'd love to do a sort of um, nationwide or even regional bat blitz um, to try and find where the areas are. But again, it's that funding that we just don't mm. have to, to find that out. Um, yeah, it's just, we, we we don't know. And that's that's kind of scary too, that we, we know they're threatened. Um, we know places where they live, but we just don't know how many there are. And that's kind of scary. Yeah, definitely. So you, you mentioned a little bit about their, their breeding um, in terms of that they have only one pup and, and that sort of thing. Um, but how do they uh, attract mates um, in terms of, I understand that short tails, again, something I didn't know and I learned last night, is they do lek breeding, which I found really interesting. Yeah, that's uh, one of the only um, yeah, only bats that do that lek breeding. They um, 
Um, Corey Toth's research um, has shown that these uh, bats um, find a a singing post uh, area, a hollowed out area of a tree, um, which um, they 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 pee in to get their musk in um, to attract. But but they also um, sing. But they um, they have actually used this um, the singing post as a timeshare with other male bats. Uh, oh. So they have they share it. Um, there's cooperative sharing there, um, so they have turns at, at singing and attracting their their mate. Um, so whoever has the best song, um, the female mm-hmm. chooses. Um, so that seems to be, um, yeah, a really interesting type of breeding. That um, and again, we don't know uh, how they choose their singing posts, and um, so that that's really interesting um, to us to find out more about that. Mm. So I, get, I, I, I feel like the, this is the question on my mind, and I'm sure it's everyone else's mind as well. Is if they're all sharing posts, does that mean they're all they're all peeing in each other's leg breeding posts? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, what a what a charming thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, so so uh, you kind of mentioned this before, but is this quite unusual among bats? Is it? Um, we, we don't see it a lot. Very very unusual. Um, we didn't really know much more about it until most recently um so it, it's really unusual so it's again it's um shows how special our our native bats are and you know that it's that it's really incredible what they do mm, absolutely again this is another question we've i guess we've already answered which is uh what's caused their decline and what current threats do they face which is basically the same by the sounds of it as everything else which is introduced mammalian predators and habitat loss that's right um as well as um the climate change for, for long-tailed bats we think that um you know, it might affect um, the amount of insects that are available um, and mm. things like that, um, as well as carried dieback um, because a lot of the um, bats like to live in kauri. Um, so if kauri go out in the next 50 years, then um, what happens to our bat populations as well? So it, mm. it's, oh, we're trying, we have to sort of look at this whole thing as a whole ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, no, Absolutely. So kind of, I guess, to that end, what efforts are currently being made to try and protect them and increase their population? Uh, so there's, there's a whole heap of efforts right across the country um, of people doing the, the awesome mahi, um, doing the doing some massive efforts for pest control because if you can do the pest control, then it's sort of you're, you're almost over halfway there um, with that. So people doing some massive areas of pest control and particular trapping, um and and bait station work um to try and kill off our um introduced mammalian predators is is really working a real treat and same as the habitat uh restoration um restoring those riparian areas that bats use so often um can really help increase their insect activity so therefore um have better food habitats for them as well um so across the country i've i've heard of a whole heap of really great projects of people just yeah doing some amazing work to ha- particularly to restore the the bat populations because they know how special they are. Mm, yeah, certainly. As um, I kind of mentioned before we started recording, as I chat to a lot of community groups in my day job, as do you. Um, and yeah, the, uh, there's a lot of community groups now that are only sort of recently discovering that they have bats in the area. Um, one particular group I had was in Topor, um, and they um, I went up to actually do their big rebate of traps and stuff. 
And they were like, yeah, we've only just recently found out that we had long tail bats, so we're trying to expand our network and all that sort of stuff so that yeah. we can protect them as well and that sort of thing. So there is a lot of really, um, really cool stuff going on in terms of just, um, yeah, like just knowing that they're there. Is, yeah, a lot of the time they just don't know that they're there, so they don't know what areas and they need to be protecting and that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I guess a lot of people that would be listening to this won't be, uh, they won't be like us. They won't be deep in the goo of conservation necessarily. Um, so what what kind of things can people do if you're just, you know, you're just a guy in your house? What can people do, um, I guess, particularly during the fact that uh, a, a lot of people at the moment in New Zealand are in lockdown? Mm. Um, what can they be doing to try and um, help this bat conservation? I just love people to start conversations about bats. Um, I think that's why um, this bird of the year contest is, is, is a really good platform is that people can start talking about the possibility of bats being even being in New Zealand um, is, is a really great um, thing to just raise that awareness about about bats um, so yeah getting getting amongst that and, and and having those conversations but you know even just doing some backyard pest control can really help and that's a really cool thing that people have really got into during lockdown is, is getting more traps and out in your backyard you know trapping a few rats might not seem like a big deal but you know if everyone in new zealand has a rat trap in their backyard then you know we're getting some real gains there yep yeah no absolutely and again i can tell you from or tell listeners from a personal experience um you know you get you get a trap in your backyard you know your neighbors get a trap in your backyard hey you've got a network now just just by everyone having one trap in their backyard so you know it's um it it do, it is really helpful just to have those those few things, especially when, um, particularly with uh, like hedgehogs and that sort of thing. You know, th- we now know that they are hugely devastating, and just getting a couple of them uh, that really really helps. That's probably a few birds and lizards and bats and all sorts of other things that you've saved as well. Um, so yeah, really it's really um, easy ways to be able to just you know just throw it in, just throw a trap in your back. Well, don't throw it, but you know, <laughs> put a trap in your backyard and. Um, which really, really, really helps. Um, so what do you think uh, the future of bat conservation uh, holds? Uh, like I said, it would be really amazing if this, the platform of bats was, was was raised through these sort of um, bird of the year type promotions. Um, I'd really like to see some corporate sponsorship getting behind um, the research and um, more funding going towards um, conservation. You know, maybe it is a rich business owner out there who's going oh i have some spare cash lying around <laughs> um but you know even if that's um you know if that's not going to happen i think people having conversations about about bats and um that's really important um for the future of our conservation efforts um because if people are aware of them then they they suddenly start thinking about oh well what if there is a bat in my backyard um what if there is a bat in that big old tree and down the back of the gully there that i want to cut Mm. down so i really think that um bats can be a poster child for conservation um especially in urban areas where um Mm. we don't have a lot of threatened species in our urban areas um but you know having threatened critically threatened species in uh, very urban areas would be uh, and having them come back from the brink would be an amazing thing and i i really hope that in the next you know 20 to 50 years we can do that Awesome. Yeah, no, everyone loves a good conservation story of coming back from the brink. Yeah. We've got quite a few of those. So <laughs> so we know we can do it. Hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, as you say, a matter of um, people being aware and um, 
and hopefully getting some 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 money involved really i yeah. guess yeah. um so something I ask um, all my guests, um, regardless of whether they're a history guest or a conservation guest, is um, what's the what's your favourite part or of your kind of job or your involvement with bat conservation or perhaps just a, a memorable story? My my most favourite thing is taking people out for bat walks. Uh, Auckland Council and our community partners work. Um, we take a whole lot of people out on and bat walks, and like I said, they sometimes sell out faster than our Elton John concert. Uh, so. Um, they're really, really um, special to me, and um, seeing a little kid going, "Oh my God, it's like a butterfly!" And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, you know. Uh, and that—that's you know, seeing seeing people just, you know, be blown away by this this little tiny creature that flies just above the tree line, and seeing and hearing this bat is just so special to them. It's like that just really warms my heart and goes. Yeah, this is this is why I do it. This is mm. I'd really like to see, um, yeah, people get amongst the conservation and 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 really um, be inspired by something like a, as simple as a bat walk, and then go home and think, man, yeah, maybe I'll go set a trap now. Oh, awesome! So that's pretty much all the questions I have for you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to promote or spread awareness of apart from bats? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just, I mean. A lot of people um, are really interested in what I do, so I've created a lot of social media presence across various platforms. Um, so if people are interested to see what I do, and um, not just with bats, but across the conservation realm, then um, yeah, follow me on the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, even. So TikTok. Oh, I've got to get get where the kids are, you know. <laughs> I don't do any dance. That's true. You got to get them while they're young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so if people do want to look for you on social media, how do they find you? Uh, just NZ Batman. Easy. Nice nice and easy. Does what it says on the tin. That's right. So yeah, so that's everything that I've got for you. So thank you very much for again for um, coming on and chatting bats with me. Okay. Um, it's um, It's been enlightening for me to to um, learn all this new stuff about bats because yeah. bats aren't really the space that I'm in as much. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for, for taking the time to come on and have a chat. Thank you very much. Once again, I'd like to thank Ben for coming on to Hans for a bat chat. It's always awesome to have experts come on and share their knowledge and passion with us. I hope you guys enjoyed it and learnt as much as I did. If you're listening to this at time of release, voting for Bird of the Year is now open and will be until the end of October. If you would like to cast your vote for the Picker Picker or any of the other candidates, you can go to birdoftheyear.org.nz to vote. Anyone can vote, no matter where you are in the world, so make your voice heard. Just like last year, STV is the voting system, meaning you can pick five candidates in order that you would like to support. Maybe think about giving a couple of your votes to our lesser-known species, whether that be bat or bird. If you want to send me feedback, ask a question, suggest a topic, or just have a chinwag, you can find my email and social media on historyaotearoa.com. Aotearoa spelt A-O-T-E-A-R-O-A. You can also find helpful resources there, like transcripts, sources, and translations for some of the te reo Māori we have used. You can help support Hans through Patreon, buying merch, or giving us a review. It means a lot and helps spread the story of Aotearoa New Zealand. As always, Haritu Watu, Oki Tu Mai. See you next time. <laughs>